Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, friend, cosmic family, and beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We have the incredible Joel Levy on the podcast. He, I've been trying to get him on for a while. He is uh, an expert in meditation, mindfulness, uh, contemplative science, and uh, neurobiology for over 50 years. He has worked with everybody, NASA, the Pentagon, Google, uh, and is such a beautiful, amazing human being. So I'm so stoked to have finally get him on the podcast. We talk about um, what is the Bodhisattva spirit, Joel's work with the Delta Force and creating Jedi Warrior training, uh, Jim Channon's book, the, Evolution, the Evolutionary Earth Battalion, um, steps for dealing with suffering, doubt, and anxiety, reaching out to masters, Dr. Joel's Easy Guide to Meditation, uh, Altered Traits by Dan Goldman. So he gives a lot of resources as well. Um, this is truly an, an excellent podcast on mindfulness, spirituality. You know, Joel really truly is a leader in this field. So finally stoked to get him on. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast and leaving reviews. This one's from Sarah B. And it says, Enlightening, Beautiful, Fantastic. In this podcast, Matt Belair holds space for the paradigm shifters of our current age to deliver their stories, philosophies, dreams, and visions of our world. These individuals who are carefully and thoughtfully picked by Matt himself offer profoundly mind-expanding and provoking topics. I highly recommend for anyone who wishes for new perspectives in addition to the wonderful guests and their awesome content, Matt is a one-of-a-kind host. It is clear that he is on the path of self-mastery, shedding light on his self-awareness and exposing his journeys and truths throughout the series. A fundamental component of this podcast is practicality, day-to-day wisdom, and essentially grounding. While the content can span across worlds and galaxies, our lovely host always brings it back down to earth, working his best to frame the information in a helpful and healing way. Thank you, Matt. Your presence, work, and love is so deeply appreciated by your community. Keep killing it, bro. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah B., the forest elf. Um, I'll suggest to keep killing it. What we've switched and reframed is keep living it. Um, so are growing it, too, um, because I feel like it's a little bit more positive, but um, just something that I've been doing anyway. Uh, but thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a very thoughtful um thoughtful review i really appreciate that and thank you guys so much who are supporting on patreon Uh, that's something that you could do if you want uh pauline verona you hooked it up and i appreciate you for that um allows me to get sandwiches while i continue to do the podcast and i explore these teachers like david lombert senapas and do the thing so i can excel in my own life and bring back the teachings to you so you know you guys who have been supporting the show in that way i'm really truly grateful want to thank my sponsor purium they are amazing if you use bit to 
bit.ly forward slash activate health. You get a $50 gift card and you can get CBD, which I highly recommend. Uh, top of the line supplements, non-GMO in cleansing, you know, protein, everything. They have literally everything. Just check out the website and you can use a $50 gift card for whatever you want if you're looking for, you know, the premium in nutritional health supplements. And they have everything from immune system too. So really incredible stuff over there. Um, for those of you guys who really want to level up, I've been getting a little bit more inquiries. If you want to level up and you want to learn more about spirituality, personal development, um, and you feel like you need some help, I'm happy to do that with some coaching. Just go to the coaching, fill out the form, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, and I'm happy to assist you. Um, I'm working with some really incredible people right now. So grateful to watch them grow and transition. So if you're in a transition in your life or you're looking to you know, expand for more and you, and you need some guidance, I'm so happy to do that. So just reach out there and um, happy to help with that. Um, always check out Zen Athlete. If you haven't read it yet, give it to your friends, give it to your family, give it to anybody in sport because it's self-mastery in disguise. You can use it for absolutely anything. Um, always sign up for the email list. That's great. And the most... The other great thing that you guys could do if you like the show is just when you get an aha moment, just write that down and share it in Facebook with a link to the time code. Maybe you could just screenshot it on your uh, on your phone or you can just write your aha moment and say episode 55, this and this, because when you share your insights, you're sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and that to someone else and you give them an opportunity to get that same moment. So it's such a powerful thing to do. So uh, thank you for those of you guys who are doing that and I encourage you to do it that every episode that you get that moment to share it with me on Facebook because your friends are going to see it and I can time code it and I can, you know, eventually make some cool stuff um, with it. I'm actually, I just got reached out to by Gaia TV and we're going to be working a little bit together and cross promoting. So I'm so stoked about that because they have such extraordinary content over there. There's so much over there. So um, I'm excited about that. And when all these little time pieces go in, we can do little videos or time codes and just share that meat and potatoes with, with other people in hopes that they get that same aha moment. So that is it. I want to thank you so much for coming on another episode. You're going to love this one. And before we dive in, let's just do some mindfulness right now. And I invite you to just stop whatever you're doing. Set the intention to come to a powerful state of peace and presence. Taking a deep breath in through your nose with that intention. Breathing in deeply, imagining powerful golden crystal platinum light filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you just relax completely and deeply. As you let that breath out, let go of all the cares and all the worries and all the stresses of the day. Just fade away. Take another deep breath in through your nose, connecting to deep and powerful peace and making the firm internal commitment saying, I will be loving and kind to myself. I am loving and kind and supportive to myself now and forever. I forgive myself completely of any negative internal dialogue, any experience where I wasn't 100%, any learning, any challenge, any trauma. I completely forgive myself now and forever and just let that breath out slowly slowly, deeply. Now one more deep breath in through your nose and just feeling this deep empowerment connecting to yourself as a creator being full of love and compassion and wisdom and power as a creator. And I want you to send out love and kindness and compassion to all your friends, to all your families, to all the people who have challenged you, to all your enemies, to all the people on the planet causing harm, just sending them love and compassion and healing wishing them just to find themselves, to find that peace, and to be the example of inner peace and love and compassion yourself. 
So thank you so much for coming on this episode. So let's get into it. Dr. Joel Levy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a co-founder of Wisdom at Work and are regarded as leaders and early pioneers in the global mindfulness revolution, the contemplative science, and the collective wisdom movements. His work-inspired Wisdom at Work demonstrates the profound sensibility of integrating contemplative science, interpersonal neurobiology, and contemporary mind fitness training for develop the extraordinary capacities of leader teams and organizations in these complex modern times. I keep saying nay because uh, you're supposed to be with the wife, so I'm going to read it with the wife because uh, as if she were there in spirit. We're, so it's we are inseparable, and um, and she's got other things to work on today, so I'm here as our ambassador. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's so wonderful. I was hoping to see her. So you're gonna have to pass on my love. So I'm going to read it as if she were there. Because yeah, you guys are definitely a wonderful unit. But uh, I'm glad you're here representing the team. So I'm gonna read the, she, the she is named Michelle. So um, I'll see if I can find a photo and screen share for a moment. But carry on that. Okay, cool. Well, they were among the first people developed um, and introduced mindful leadership and mind fitness-based programs within mainstream medical, higher educational, organizational, sports, government, and military arenas beginning in the mid-1970s. They have worked with Google, NASA, the Pentagon, just to name a few. They have also received praise from His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who wrote them saying, you are presently engaged in work that has great prospects for bringing the Dharma the inner sciences of human transformation to a very wide section of people who may not under ordinary circumstances come into contact with these teachings. I am very pleased about the work that you are doing and send you blessings and prayers for your success. Welcome to the show, Dr. Joel Levy and in spirit, Michelle Levy. What's up, brother? Thanks, Matt. It's really a joy to see you here. I'll just uh, bring a photo of Michelle in here just uh, so that people know um, my other half and, and, uh, just my beloved, this, this woman's incredible. We just celebrated our, uh, 36th anniversary together. So, uh, what a amazing journey this has been. So. Oh yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you, you, um, brought that up. Um, you know, cause we met, we met in Toronto and we were, uh, you know, doing a project for mindfulness and sport and that's how I met you both. And, uh, you're, very incredible people and a very powerful duo. Um, so I'm, so it's, you know, it's really great to catch up after a long time. I know you've been just traveling around the world, Europe, you're in Hawaii, you, you're just all over the place. So your background is extensive. Um, maybe you can just give a little brief background and, and uh, how you got to where you are today, because you have been in the mindfulness game, uh, meditation, all that field for an extremely long time. And I'm so excited to finally be able to share some of your wisdom to the listeners. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, we've been uh, talking about having this conversation together and sharing it for quite a while. And uh, I remember when we first uh, were invited to work in NASA, um, the, our contact there said, would you be willing to come in and do some work here with our folks at NASA? And we said, yeah, we'd be happy to. He said, you just have to make one promise. And we said, what's that? He said, you have to be really patient. <laughs> So good things take a long time. 
I think, you know, for your listeners to put things in perspective, when I first started um, my research in the nature of consciousness and, you know, working as the lab tech at the Consciousness Research Laboratory at University of Washington, it was back in the very colorful early 70s, which was a uh, glorious and rather fractalian time to be exploring consciousness. Um, when I was first gluing sensors on, on people's skulls to uh, look into their brain waves to see what was going on, we were using 12-channel Beckman EEG machines with squiggly ink pens, uh, putting ink uh, over copious amounts of paper streaming by, you know? And if we got an oscilloscope, that was like really high tech. So now, I, yeah, I'm walking around with this stuff on my devices, you know, and can uh, put on a Muse headband and watch my uh, my EEG screaming by on, on my uh, phone. So I feel really, really privileged to have been in that, you know, rather golden generation of kind of cool dudes and dudesses that, you know, went off to uh, Asia in the 60s and um, started um, exploring plant medicine and wondering who we are and what's possible and how could we make sense out of things in an age when my generation was being drafted straight out of high school and sent to a, to a rather um, misguided fascist war in Southeast Asia. I mean, it was a horrendous time and a, a time of just busting loose and seeking for alternatives. And the news every night showed body bags coming back from Vietnam. And, uh, you know, all of my mentors and, and um, school teachers, even in high school, were saying, look, kids, it's time to wake up. So a lot of us just dispersed around the globe looking for the best ways to wake up, best ways to understand who are we truly, what, is, what are the causes of our dysfunction, our meanness, our greed, our ignorance, how can we resolve those circumstances and tap into the noble um, universal qualities that we came bundled with and, and manifest something a little bit more akin to heaven on earth. What, what might that look like? So, you know, some of us went off into monasteries in Asia and meditation centers. Some of us um, studied with great teachers. You know, for, for Michelle and I, we've literally had hundreds of teachers over the, the last 50 years that we've been exploring. And then we came back and we maybe trimmed our hair or changed our costumes a little bit and went back into academia and became PhDs in various sciences and got jobs running uh, laboratories or in my case running the stress management and biofeedback program for a large HMO and teaching holistic health and contemplative science graduate programs at universities and a lot of us have just found our way into the New York Times or into the British Parliament or into various places where uh, we're like bodhisatt up to bodhisattva mischief to bring a deeper wisdom, a deeper compassion, a, a deeper 
quality of, of sensibility to how we live together on this beautiful but fragile planet. That's beautiful, man. Um, and when you say about your teachers, you know, I remember us sitting in Toronto uh, at Muse and we're discussing and uh, doing a little bit of work. You know, you could name drop with the best of them. Um, and it's interesting using like the costumes and being in it for so long. You know, I find that there's a lot of people who are really waking up to this idea, you know, some of these things around mindfulness and uh, I don't know, neurofeedback and even like me and more in the sports arena being more uh, open to that idea. And, you know, someone like you, I have a deep appreciation for because you've been in it for so long and you've been doing the work for so long. And some people jump in, they get mm -hmm. the message, but they're unable to do the work for a long period of time. And you have been. Um, so I really like, I acknowledge you guys and appreciate for, for everything that you've done and, and what you're bringing forth. So, um, I think where I'd like to start just a first question and, and we can take this wherever, but, um, we, we touched briefly on the Bodhisattva spirit. And so you, you know, always before the podcast, I set an intention, um, for the highest good of all to, you know, and, and you basically took that before I said it and added some just some deepening words, some beautiful words and doing it on your own. And I think that's a big part of it is setting your intention with what you're doing each and every day with what you're doing each and every moment. So I wonder if you can just share what, what does that mean? What is the Bodhisattva spirit um, and your philosophy or, or ideas around it? Thank you, Matt. You know, I just get this wonderful bundle of body rush and tingles as you uh, invite us to go there. You know, to me, uh, the, the primary motivation for my whole life is really, you know, technically described in the Bodhisattva spirit. Um, Bodhisattva is, uh, the Bodhisattva tradition comes out of the Mahayana Buddhist tradition, but it's universal. It's this impulse, this organizing principle, this, this passion and intention to dedicate our lives to awakening to our true nature and highest potentials in order to activate those same innate indwelling highest potentials within all beings. And imagine, you know, if you're listening to or watching this, uh, this live stream or a replay of this, imagine right now just pausing for a moment and just um, maybe looking into your heart and saying, what's important for me? You know, what, what do I really want or desire in my life? Who am I really? And to oh, listen for your guidance on that, to be mindful how that intention comes to you, that you're looking for wholeness or you're looking for freedom or you're looking for justice or love or health. And imagine that you could just clarify that intention at a personal level and then add a universal harmonic to that for the benefit of all. May I come to greater peace within myself, not just for my own self but in order to activate the potentials for within all beings to move more towards peace or more towards wholeness or more towards um well-being and just that you know each of us are like raisins in the great cosmic sticky pudding and that as we change the vibe and the resonance and the radiance of our self the ripples of that shining forth like a light within our heart as we brighten this light within our heart that light is instantly reflected in the heart jewels of all beings everywhere so even in this moment we can taste the potential of that 
So imagine waking up in the morning and before you even get out of bed to really, to really connect with yourself in the deepest way, to celebrate the gift of another day of your life, to align and attune with everything that is good and true and noble and wholesome within you, and to dedicate yourself to advancing the evolutionary project of your own awakening in order to bust free of all your confusions and delusions and addictions and neuroses, to learn your way through those in order to do, be a powerful, liberating, inspiring, um, supportive force in the world. And the, the fuel for your personal awakening is this fierce, sincere, heartfelt dedication to awakening for the benefit of all beings. This is why I love talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting for me because, you know, when I listen to people and maybe somebody wants to come on the podcast or I'm talking about spirituality, when I look at what they write or what they say to me on deep questions, that's how I can filter where they are in their own progression. And when I talk to you, it's like so clear, uh, you know, the amount of wisdom you hold because of just the clarity and the honesty and the resonance and, and how deep it is. But it's always very simple at the same time. Cause I can't to the best of my ability, say some stuff like that, you know, give me 30 years and, and I'll read your books and, and do some more meditation and ideally I'll get there. Um, and all of that, I love what you said, but the one thing that I, I've wanted you to kind of go deeper on is for the benefit of all. And this is something that's been coming up a lot for me. And I've seen a lot of different space where like kind of the idea of you give it all away, like it's not mine, you know, it's just like, I am desiring this thing for myself in my own evolution, you know, not in a, in an ego way, just I want to have this life experience and bring this thing. But there's some sort of essence to when you give that away as well there's a power to that and maybe you, you can speak on that a, li a little deeper because i find it to be an important concept and maybe there's there's more to it you can share and why that's so powerful and how that can open us up to more alignment and more peace and and to also ultimately bring that thing into our own experience yeah absolutely let's explore this because this is so fundamentally important you know you can you can go for your red bicycle or your red uh uh, skateboard or your red snowboard, you know, with all your heart and soul because you want to manifest that in your life. And that's just another kind of, excuse me, sorry ass narcissistic endeavor um, that is just reinforcing the illusion of a separate self. But if you realize that, you know, like I take this cup of tea right now, okay, mm -hmm. here's a good way to envision it. And if you're listening to this, you could envision, you know, holding your water bottle or a cup of tea and feeling thirst and then going, oh, I have a means to quench that thirst. Mm. Wow. What a gift to be able to manifest the relief from that desire, you know, to satisfy that desire. And then we go, wow, you know, but I've got a, a child, a, a loved one, a friend, a pet that also is thirsty. That, that yearns for something to nourish them or to satisfy a desire they have. And you kind of go to the great cosmic source of all fulfillment, um, the great cosmic Amazon, <laughs> if you will. And you say, oh, look, you know, just uh, will you fill my cup so that um, I can quench and satisfy my desire so that I can manifest 
my deepest aspiration. But while you're at it, could you fill the cup of my loved one or friend or fill the cups of everyone in my tribe or my network or my endeavor? Or while you're at it, you know, as you fill my cup, may you fill the cups of all beings that whatever it is that would most bring them to fulfillment and awakening and release from their suffering may be realized. And in that sense, you know, as I sit now, there's an even deeper kind of satisfaction knowing that I'm, I'm being uh, nourished and satisfied and fulfilled and as I am, all beings are. And that you just start to kind of transform as many moments as you life out of me into for we, that sense that, you know, as we brighten the lights and the frequency and the raise our vibration, that we're not just doing it to get high or to feel better, or to feel happy, but we're doing this in order to activate those potentials within all beings. And whatever the obstacles that we're encountering, you know, our addictions, our self-loathing, our self, the ways we diminish our light, you know, that that we dedicate ourselves to learning our way into those, to investigating the contours of becoming like Ramdas used to say, a connoisseur of our neuroses, um, in order to, you know, bust loose of those limitations and then to be able to be in the lives of other beings in a way that's more empathically resonant, more compassionately engaged, and more wisely, skillfully capable of listening deeply, resonating and attuning to them and just asking the right questions or um, putting a drop of nectar in their bowl or giving them a hug or uh, just saying, hey, dude, stop whining. You know, you're a divine, amazing being. Meet me there, you know, just just um, let your light shine a little bit brighter into this darkness that's consuming you in this moment because that light's never diminished. And, you know, for me, as I teach, as I give voice to this stuff, you know, as a brother and a mentor and a friend for you, and like you were saying, you could stammer for 30 years and try and, you know, for me, you know, it's just I go into the space and I describe it. It's like, can you meet me here? You know, can you uh, sense a luminosity at the core of your being and the, and brighten that light. And as you do, can you sense or imagine or affirm that as you brighten that light, it's instantly reflected in the deepest heart jewel dimension of all beings everywhere, you know? And shazam, you can taste it a little bit, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. It, you know, I, I like how you use the word like invite me there. And it's almost, uh, I don't know why my marketing brain is, is kicking in, but it's it just in marketing, you'll want to identify your audience. And so when you're explaining something to somebody and, and where you are in that space, you know, when you're saying these words, it's like, can I come there with you? Can I, can I get to that level? And a lot of people would just be like, holy smokes, like that's an interesting space. And so I'm guessing I'm curious, like you've worked with like the Pentagon and NASA and, and, and these peak performance things. And so I got like a personal question on like, you know, we're going military um, minded. They have a different mindset 
they need peace. There's like PTSD. There's all kinds of stuff. They're also taking actions that might be uh, more traumatic, let's say, or lots of other words. What are you hoping to um, give them? Because I know from their perspective, they're probably looking for high performance, quote unquote. Um, you know, they hire you. But, you know, for you, what is it when you're teaching that you'd like to offer people? If you could, if you could just push a button and they have it, what would be the things that they take away from and they live with from day to day? Um, I think a greater sense of presence that, you know, like when we worked with the military, we, uh, yeah, I walked into the medical center one day when I was working there, the phone rings. It's an old uh, student of mine who's actually a ski instructor and a peak performance martial artist dude who, a really dear brother named Bud Cook and Bud calls and say, Hey, Hey, Wiz. Cause he used to call me wizard, you know? So, Hey, Wiz, how'd you like to design the ultimate warrior training program for the special forces? And I said, Bud, what have you been smoking? And he said, no, I, I, look, I just came back from a meeting at, with the Delta force at the Pentagon. And they're, they've just released a study that showed more than twice as many men and women committed suicide when they came back from war than died in combat. And he said, there's a lot of shame and a lot of grief in that. And they're looking for some kind of program to equip people with capability to go into just hellacious environments and not do excess damage, you know, but to be a force for good. And they don't know what to do when they've asked. Uh, I said, I know some people who could help put together a program and I'm calling and can we get together and design something to give to them? And that turned into what was called by them the Jedi Warrior Training Program. It was a secret, uh, six-month-long, full-time immersion program training 25 special forces troops like two seal team sixes um to be trainers and we had a lab with two hundred thousand dollars worth of uh biofeedback and neurofeedback um uh, equipment you know to teach them massive neurohacking and and we called it um uh, biocybernotic training um we took them on a month-long silent Vipassana-style retreat called the encampment rather than a retreat um, that was designed with us by uh, Tengpulu Sayadaw, who's one of the living treasures of Burma, and the student Rina Sarkar, who's a really close teacher of ours. Um, they helped us design the protocols for that. We worked with their families. Uh, we did mission simulations. We did Aikido with them. And, the, you know, we had pages and pages of deliverables for the program. But the bottom line mission for it was could we teach them to uh, recognize and befriend their inner enemies and stop the war inside? And uh, just looking here. Yeah, to recognize and befriend their inner enemies and to stop the war inside. That was the main mission that we had um, with these guys. And uh, it was an amazingly transformative program. Uh, the essence of it was, I'm not finding what I wanted to show you. Uh, the essence of it was you know, to realize that 
within all beings, no matter how badass they may be, no matter how um, ignorant they may be, is, you know, if, you, if we peel away the clouds, there's just clear, blue, vast, stainless sky. Um, with these soldiers, you know, who were willing to sacrifice their life for something larger than, the, than themselves, which is a noble endeavor. We brought Brother David Stendelrost in at one point. He's a Benedictine monk, uh, incredible teacher. And his opening words were, when I was impressed into the Nazi army, and he started talking about as a young man, when Hitler's troops came into Austria, he had the choice of dying or going into the Nazi army. And so he did a stint there. And when he got out, he became a Benedictine monk, you know, dedicating his life to um, helping all beings as much as he could. But within probably 10 minutes, Brother David had so ennobled these men to appreciate the sacred core of their willingness to sacrifice their life for a, a, something larger than themselves, that within five or 10 minutes, he had probably half the guys in tears, just touching something really noble and sacred within them. We're three weeks into a month-long silent Vipassana-style retreat, and I gave a talk one night on interdependence and how all things and all beings are related. And, um, and at the end of that Dharma talk, one of the soldiers raised his hand, and you could just see his mental gears kind of grinding. And he says, but Joel, if what you're saying is true, how could we ever kill anybody? And to which we responded, let's talk about that. And, um, we sat for hours that night talking about what does this mean? You know, what does this mean to have power and influence? Um, what does it mean to have power and influence without wisdom and love? What does it mean to have power and influence with wisdom and love and maybe um, with weapons and force and what have you? You know, how, how do we use this? So after the program was over, many of the guys that we trained were disappeared into nameless, faceless units getting into mischief around the world, but a bunch of them went to uh, Europe running special operations there. Um, and the colonel who oversaw the program was head of special ops in Europe. And we interviewed uh, Ken when he retired and we said, what are you most proud of after decades of service to your country? And he said, I'm most proud of the number of covert humanitarian operations that we were able to run that helped thousands of people and nobody ever heard of it. So, you know, blazing bodhisattvas take the forms of nurses and doctors and loving, kind people and nurturing and caring beings. They also take the form of warriors that are willing to stand in harm's way and slow the damage or like somebody asked the Dalai Lama, if somebody came into this room with a gun right now and, and, and wanted to do harm to people and you had a gun, what would you do? He said, I'd probably shoot him in the leg. You know, it's just like, slow this dude down a little bit, you know, just, just help him get his wits about him. You know, you don't want to just go 
straight to lethal force, you know, it's like, like immobilize things. The mission get, that gave rise to our work with the army came out of our buddy Jim Channon's work with the uh, First Earth Battalion within the army. It was a vision for what the military might look like if it was a earth stewarding force to uh, provide protection and help in the world. It was the vision for the military for the year 2000 that was hatched back in the 80s. And Jim wrote a book called Evolutionary Tactics, a manual for the first Earth Battalion. And that was the kind of core foundation. It was like a cult classic throughout the human potential movement for years. just articulating what happens when we bring power and love together and discipline, you know, that really allows us to just, you know, do no harm, but to, to manifest wisdom and strength and compassion in the highest way. Um, I think our military throughout the world and a lot of world leaders could use a heavy dose of this, uh, a heroic dose of this kind of training at this time in the world. Wow, that's beautiful. I wanted to um, write down that that book. What was his name? Jim Channon. And the book was Evolutionary Tactics, a manual for the first Earth Battalion. That's amazing. It reminds me of uh, The Men Who Stare at Ghosts. Have you seen that? Yeah, actually, uh, the, the Jeff Bridges uh, character in Men Who Stare at Ghosts was modeled after Jim. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's Jim, really Jim said, Jim said uh, the highest form of uh, compliment is satire. Mm-hmm. And though I think that was just a, a, you know, a sick and stupid twisted movie that was well acted, but you know, what, what we were doing was so far beyond any of the foolishness that was portrayed in that movie. And, and, kind of conveyed as truth you know there's so many distortions and confusions in that movie that for programs not ours but kind of predecessor programs that just simply weren't true that were kind of mythos kind of uh, kind of a bit of brain rot but you know imagine you know uh one night we taught loving kindness meditation at the encampment after the guys were you know fairly busted open after you know, relentlessly meditating for three weeks. And so he taught this practice on just, you know, activating, you know, just the radiance of your true good heart as a force for good and loving support and transformation in the world. And we challenged the guys at the end of the day, yeah, you could go to bed now or you could, uh, you could have a cup of tea and then come back and do some more practice. You know, if you're a real tough soldier yogi you'll come back and meditate some more before you go to bed so about 80 percent of the guys came back that night after we'd introduced this practice i remember sitting in our little uh, zendo i looked over and there's this one really amazing soldier um he'd seen a lot of combat he was a strong martial artist really one of the most disciplined of the guys in terms of mind body disciplines He's sitting there with this ranger's death from above t-shirt with skull and crossbones, you know, big barrel chest. And he's sitting there, you know, just like in perfect, you know, kind of meditative form. 
and there's tears streaming down his cheeks and dripping onto the, the skull and crossbones on his chest as, as he's sitting there radiating love and kindness and compassion for all beings. You know, my mind just sort of went tilt for a moment seeing that. Yeah, it was a profoundly transformative program. Hmm. Well, you said a lot of fascinating stuff there. My mind was kind of formulating a few different questions. And then, you know, at the end of it, what, it, what makes me think about is, uh, you know, you're training the pinnacle of what a human is in one form, you know, in the military. Uh, you know, I have a friend that's a former military pararescue and what you go through, what I am aware athletes go through. And that's not the same as like a military. It's a whole nother level. Um, teaching them about love and kindness for all beings and you touched on shame and you know a lot of them they got like the the suicide rate that's a real thing and actually teens right now i think it's the highest suicide rate and um so the question i guess would be you know what practical advice can someone do listening um to this and i can just speak to my own personal position in this moment in time where I just went to, you know, a travel and vision festival, speaking at the Conscious Media Festival, doing a week with a native elder and uh, getting my mind blown. And his message was basically kindness, compassion and happiness. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I would ask him these really deep questions and they would always come back in a very simple and practical way in which I believe you, you mm-hmm. offer that as well. And so I'm just sitting in the car and I got to, I got to sort out life stuff. You know, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Like I knew that part of my life that that window was taken care of, but now I'm back to sorting stuff out. And many people are in the realm of sorting stuff out. They got things to do. They got, they got, they got problems to solve. They got mouths to feed, whatever the case is. And how can we invite this like peace in like this real deep peace and also people um, who are going, they call it shadow work or whatever, um, that shame. There's a lot of things that uh, we do that we feel shame for. And I was talking to Robert Grant, who's a friend of mine who's going to be coming on the podcast, who's a super successful business guy and also has become a mathematician and just really coming up with some interesting stuff. But a really brief part of our conversation was about the, the Adam and Eve story. And he's like, it wasn't so much that Adam and Eve had sinned and had the apple. What happened was the shame was right away and they're hiding. And so they feel the shame and then that comes a spiral and then there's blame and then there's anger. And then there's all these things come from, from like doing the thing that you quote unquote feel is a mistake or is bad in this polarity thing. But now you're living with shame. And I think so many people live with shame and, uh, uh, anxiety and, and, and they're like, Oh, I did this thing years ago and now I can't function in peace. And so maybe you can just take that rant and formulate your own question <laughs> and some feedback my way. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, part of, part of the journey is embracing our, our unique version of humanity wholeheartedly. And I think there's a lot of people, you know, it's like I caught the meditation wave when it rolled into North America, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s. I was at the first years of Naropa Institute and, you know, sitting a lot of the first meditation retreats with these incredible teachers. And I mean, there were so many people going for it in those days. And what I've really seen is, honestly, you know, if you read the small print, it says, courage is required to sustain a practice. 
Because when we sit down to do any kind of internal practice, you know, even if it's, you know, just standing at the gate ready, ready to run a slalom course or, or some really gnarly drop, you know, on your snowboard up at Whistler or whatever, you know, um, just that, that moment of, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? You know, when you sit down on your meditation cushion or you stand there in the chute just, you know, shaking, uh, trying to find some steadiness, you know, the kind of courage and the kind of compassion that's required to, uh, one, one of the Rinpoche's used to say, meditation is one insult after another. You know, to open our hearts and minds to just sit in the fire and smell the smoke and to acquire more deeply what is this shame or this guilt or this sadness or this anxiety or fear or, or whatever. Um, I had the good fortune after years of doing consciousness research in the laboratory at the University of Washington and then sitting in you know, dozens and dozens of long meditation retreats, I was invited to. Uh, run a, a stress management clinic for a large medical center in the Seattle area. Uh, stress management, biofeedback, I also ran the pain center. And a lot of the work was around teaching people who were anxious not to get anxious about being anxious. And people who were tense not to get tense about being tense. And people with shame not to be ashamed of being ashamed. And people with anger not to get angry about being angry, you know? It's bad enough already. Don't just, you know, throw another log on the fire. And I think as this work has evolved, there's some, a really fantastic bundle of research and uh, teachings that are available. You could just, any of your um, viewers could just search for self-compassion on the web. And you'll find some wonderful guidelines. You know, the basic kind of structure for the self-compassion practices is to have enough presence of mind to go, oh, this is a moment of suffering. It's a moment of doubt. This is a moment of fear. This is a moment of shame. This is a moment of suffering. That's number one. Second step is suffering is a part of life, or grief is a part of life, or shame is a part of life. You know, just to normalize it, to realize, ah, oh, this is something pervasive through humanity. It's not that I'm all screwed up, but I'm just having the inoculation of this larger condition. So this is a moment of suffering. Suffering's a part of um, a normal part of life. May I, third step, may I be kind to myself. To really begin to crack the heart open to ourselves, to have mercy, you know, like the Sufis say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, may we have mercy and compassion. May I be kind to myself. And the fourth step, may I, may I give myself the kindness I need? Um, what would that look like? Would it be a walk? Would it be um, a nap? Would it be a, a real, you know, superfood meal? Would it be some time in nature? Um, what does giving ourselves the kindness we need look like? So that's one set of practices. Another, you know, I'll just uh, illustrate this a little bit. Um, get my screen share here. Um, yeah, you had mentioned we've had a lot of teachers. Here's some images of 
of various teachers we've had. This is actually for some folks, that's a picture of me back in 1978 with the abbot of the largest monastic university in Tibet. That's amazing. Look at that hair. Yeah. So once upon a time. So, um, you know, to appreciate, you know, we've had all these incredible teachers over the years. And as your listeners have also had mentors and aunties and grandmothers and grandfathers and really dear brothers and sisters that are sources of uh, strength and, and love and support and inspiration. You know, we've had hundreds of these amazing teachers for whom we are just super, super grateful. So as a practice, you know, rather than sitting here shaking in our boots, thinking we're, we're all alone in this endeavor, imagine, you know, just right now, reach out with a hand and hold the hand of some beloved teacher, okay, or mentor. Actually do that. Get kinesthetic, okay? And as you reach out to them, imagine that you can breathe in and draw their love, their strength, their wisdom. Download all of their files that you need to just come streaming into you like rays of rainbow light and goodness and strength. And as you breathe in, you can receive that. As you breathe out, you can radiate your thanks and your love back to them. So each breath's a gesture of receiving and radiating. And then as you reach out to them, envision that they in turn reach out to their mentors and all of their teachers. And they in turn reach out to all of their mentors and all of their teachers, and it goes way, way back. And that you become or we become like a mountain pool fed by the streams, countless streams from different mountaintops, from different mentors, from different ancestors of wisdom and love that's been passed down from generation to generation as we breathe in we receive all that light and strength and wisdom and power and love and we radiate our love and our gratitude back to all of them so that we're not engaged in this endeavor alone you know you can envision reaching out with both hands or a zillion hands and hooking up with all of those people who whose books you've read that have inspired you whose podcasts you've listened to all those like streaming into your consciousness 24 by 7 never never extracted from that matrix of just profound loving support so we receive from that and we radiate our gratitude but then we can receive from that to help us open our heart to our shame or our anger or our anxiety and radiate gratitude but then we can receive that we can also then radiate our loving support and our inspiration to everyone who looks to us as a friend or a mentor or a teacher or a example of a the kind of person that we might become so there's that sense of as we reach out to the sources of strength we reach out to we reach out to our children who reach out to their children who reach out to their children who reach out to generations to come as we you know, really find our center. You know, we extend that kind of strength and center for all beings who we're connected to. So there's this again, this bodhisattva spirit of, and this this practice of in the Buddhist tradition. This is taking refuge that we're merging our heart and mind, 
and aligning and attune ourselves to our teachers, to the stream of their wisdom teachings, to the community of the awakening beings who, who have some realization and, and really have cracked open the portal of their wisdom eyes to see more clearly and that we are inseparable from that matrix. If we think we're walking around separate, then throw our devices away, you know? It's like, if I can punch into my WhatsApp list or my Facebook groups and go shazam to 4,875 people that are following us or friends of us, then, you know, it's ludicrous to think that we can't pop a prayer that's just gonna you know, tickle the hearts and souls of all beings everywhere because the same miraculous, mysterious dimensions connect us all. So again, you know, we're working with whatever our wound may be, our vulnerabilities may be, in order to open our hearts to that so that all beings might find greater freedom. And we're not doing it for our own just sorry-ass little self, you know? Um, um, it's ennobling at that level um, that we can really dedicate it in that way. And this isn't just a Buddhist trip. You can find um, versions of these kinds of teachings and aligning and attuning to spiritual ancestors and dedicating ourselves for the benefit of all. You find harmonics of that in every wisdom tradition, indigenous or more Judeo-Christian, it's all there. So those are a couple of ways to dance with the shadow and the darkness. Also one other practice that's really quite profound, is the practice of Tonglen, uh, which means taking and sending. It comes from the Tibetan Mahayana tradition. And in the same way that we can breathe in light and fill ourselves with light and transmit and radiate that light, we can also breathe in the darkness of the fear, the shame, the, the pain that we feel within our local body or within the larger body of life that we share. And we can imagine that we can breathe that in like waves of darkness or smoke or heat that dissolves into some pure quantum noble, invulnerable, sky-like dimension of our true heart, just breathing in the fear, the, the pain, the agitation, and letting it dissolve and breathing out calm and confidence and steadiness. So we breathe in the compost, melt it down completely, not a trace of it left, and then we radiate the antidote, the goodness back to ourselves and our local body, back to everybody else with heartaches or headaches or anxiety. We breathe it all in from ourselves and the larger body. We breathe it out, extending those waves of goodness and activating those potentials within our personal body and mind and within the larger body and mind we share with all beings. Wow, that was incredible. Uh, really beautiful and uh, really practical. I think that um, dealing with shadow work, it's uh, become like a hot topic and I see some stuff out there that I feel is not the most, uh, the results will be variable anyways. Um, and I think that my favorite thing was reaching out to the the masters, like the yogi tradition, it's a, uh, it's a lineage. Uh, same with uh, David Lombard, it's an oral lineage of these teachings. 
and uh, you know, not being alone, you know, reaching out for that wisdom. Somebody is, is sharing that they're sharing um, that work. So I think that that's a very beautiful perspective and it, and it helps a lot. Um, Thank you. Just one little hook for this. If anybody wants to look into those practices, if people go to wisdomatwork.com slash essential practices, wisdomatwork.com slash essential practices. There's a link there for um, a chapter in our book, Living in Balance, a mindful guide for thriving in a complex world. Um, and uh, in that chapter, uh, there's both this receiving and radiating and the Tong Lin practice in a really kind of essentialized way. way. So wisdomatwork.com slash essential practices and people can find the hook for that awesome yeah thank you for sharing that and you know you've written i don't know how many books many uh, i have a couple and uh, i've gone through um and what i like is they're all like i can do something you know i like i want the philosophy but i also want to do something and so yeah. you give me some practices to do which i've enjoyed like that um so I got two questions. One, is there anywhere in particular that you feel like you want to go? Because that little section broke my mind a little bit. And um, if, if not, um, because like your, your wisdom and, and your books are so deep. And if you don't have anything that's calling to you in particular, what I just want to offer is like your two to five minute. And if you want to embellish, you can, but your elevator pitch on how to meditate, because so many people will ask me that. And I just respond in a very simple way. You're a meditation ninja wizard. Do you, you know, if somebody is looking about getting into meditation, just why you should do it, how to do it, get your butt started. You know, this is coming from the master. You're going to have everything that you need to know to meditate as soon as you get this information. Okay. Um, a couple <laughs> of simple downloads on that. One is just listen. The... And in that listening, hold, there's three elements standing meditation practice, okay? One is attention, one is intention, the other is attitude. So if the instruction was listen, that would be pay attention. Then the intention is continue to listen. <laughs> Notice when your mind wanders off from not listening and just hold the intention to listen. And then the attitude would be listen in a way that is Curious, open, accepting of whatever's arising, and with a sense of warm-heartedness or love. So be awake, listen, be present, listen with your eyes, your ears, your body. Just hold the intention to maintain that awareness and do it with curiosity, openness. Uh, acceptance and love the acronym is coal for that or cola if you want to mix it up a little bit so that's one way in you know the other is you know this receiving and radiating you know uh, is uh, creative meditation you're conjuring up images in your mind that have some potency you're paying it you're holding the intention to to connect with a larger frame of reference or a larger frame of reverence you're doing that with a sense of curiosity and openness, acceptance and love. So that's a creative meditation, receiving and radiating. There's the Tong Lin of gathering in the darkness, the pain, the fear, the anxiety, radiating 
healing, loving, soothing energies. Yeah, let's let's look at meditation for a minute because there's so much confusion about what meditation is. You know, how how many kinds of sports are there, Matt? Hundreds, thousands. How many kinds of music are there? Same, hundreds, thousands. How many kinds of medicine are there? Thousands. Yeah. So same thing with meditation. It said that the Buddha alone taught 84,000 different methods to train and transform the, the, the mind, to, to kind of melt down the energies, kind of the inner alchemy of our poisons and neuroses and confusions to kind of reveal the goodness, the innate goodness and wholesomeness of our highest potentials. So in the same way, there are a zillion different practices of meditation. They cluster into different um, methods. Um, in our book, Mindfulness, Meditation, and Mind Fitness, Mindfulness, Meditation, Mind Fitness, we've clustered probably about 200 practices into five categories. One are concentration practices where you really hold your attention on a single focus, like the breath or the heartbeat or a visual image or a mental image. Then there's mindfulness practices, which are more open awareness, you know, sky-like awareness, just registering whatever sensations or perceptions or mind states arise and pass, come and go like clouds or winds in the clear blue sky of your mind. Then there's creative meditations like reach out, hold the hand of a mentor, um, receive and radiate or touch your heart and, and activate the shining sun of your true innate goodness and let that energy shine. That's a creative meditation. Um, reflective meditations would be, um, what's my highest purpose in my life? Or um, what's a, a, the going to be the most enlivening design for this presentation or this ad campaign that will be the bring the greatest benefit or who who am i you know it's like what is my true nature and you take a question and you and you blend analysis and thinking with li deep listening and intuition and you oscillate between conceptualization and sourcing deep intuitive wisdom and and you kind of wobble your way between active mind and and deep, quiet mind through a reflective meditation. And then there are practices for opening the heart to boundless loving kindness or compassion or gratitude. Um, there's heart-centered practices. So in, in our book, Mindfulness, Meditation, and Mind Fitness, we kind of go into those five clusters of concentration, mindfulness, creative meditations, reflective meditations, and uh, more heart-centered practices. But there's many different topologies of different practice. I think that the unique, the interesting and important thing to recognize is that every different meditation practice you do is gonna have a different neurological signature to it, a different energetic signature to it, your meridians are going to buzz at different frequencies. Your chakras are going to light up at different levels. Different neuropeptides are going to get released. And that the 
more we practice in those ways, then the more we retool and reshape the nervous system and the energy system through neuroplasticity. So that as we train our minds, we're rebuilding and retooling our brains and opening up you know, new levels of capability for how we can rock our world. Beautiful, brother. There's a, there's a lot of practical info in there. And what it made me think of was, uh, you know, we go to the gym and uh, there's all these different exercises that we can do and we train our body. And that's the thing for me and Zen Athlete is like, why the heck are we not teaching our kids to use their mind to be better at sport? And really, I think mm-hmm. the arching theme from that is like, hey, there's no wrong way to do it. And what you're doing is you're going into the mind gym. You're going into your thoughts. You're going into the inner workings of how your brain work you're starting to look at how you think and why you're acting a certain way why where these thoughts come from what what um, level that you can reach what's happening back there and you're adding it as a practice and that's like shining light onto the darkness you're looking at these unconscious subconscious programs within yourself and so now you're going to have more understanding of who you are of what you are of how you think of how you tick and it becomes a very essential fundamental uh, practice, you know, and I feel like, um, you know, you don't have to take it seriously, you know, just, just, you know, even if you want to give yourself 10 minutes a day, you know, just, uh, of like pick one and just observe and see what comes up. But what you're doing is you're, you know, if you are out of shape and you just decide you're going to go to the gym, you don't exactly know what the heck you're going to do the first day, but you can start to learn, you know, you can start to figure things out. You'll probably, you know, look like a, kind of a bit of an a-hole at the beginning because you don't know what's going on, but then you'd start to learn and you figure it out, but just have the courage to go take a step to, to adopt that practice. And I feel like it's really fundamental because our thoughts and, and our mind are what are shaping our reality. And the more light we can bring into the subconscious, unconscious parts of ourselves, why we might flare up in anger. Why do we not feel good enough? Why are we shameful? What what are these thoughts and uh, look for opportunities to grow out of that, to expand beyond that and alchemize that pain. And I like the, uh, the tongue Lin of bringing in the darkness because everyone's like, no, keep the darkness away. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, like take that in and, and alchemize it within your being, knowing that you are still whole and you're still good enough and, and you're still, you know, worthy and loved. And that doesn't need to define you um, with the proper awareness, but you, you might have to go through a bit of a process. So, um, yeah really beautiful and powerful stuff. You want to add something? Yeah, I do. Um, one thing with the Tong Lin, you know, breathing in the darkness and the pain of yourself, which you can just start there, but then maybe you'll think of a friend who also has joint pain or headaches or frustration, and then just naturally you include them, and then somebody else comes to mind, then everyone who's suffering in that way, and meditation just naturally expands. What can give you the strength and the steadiness to actually embrace that darkness is by reaching out to the allies and drawing in the strength and feeling yourself embedded within that matrix of loving support of all the all the ancestors or lineage holders or you know beloved trusted spiritual friends. If you start with that gathering the light and the strength and radiating your gratitude and use that as the foundation, then it's easier and more sensible to then embrace some of the darker, heavier, more difficult and challenging aspects. And, and as you do that, to sense a, like the sky is inside of you, is just as you're breathing in, there's no place for anything to stick. It's just 
you're completely transparent and open and whatever is embraced comes into just um, the dimension of your true heart where it's completely released. And Michelle, if you're around, could you go out and ask whoever's using a chainsaw not to do it now? <laughs> Appreciate we're all, it. <laughs> yeah, we're at our, um, our we're at Dorje De Chen Ling, the land of indestructible great bliss on the Big Island of Hawaii. Our learning center here, um, twenty-acre permaculture farm and learning center, uh, KohalaSanctuary.com to catch a glimpse. A um, couple things I wanted to say just about the train your mind, change your brain aspects of this. You know, if, we, if this is the threshold of awareness, okay, and everything below this is too subtle to be aware of and everything aware, above this we're aware of, the path of, of mind training and mindfulness is learning to listen at deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and subtler and subtler levels so that all of a sudden my awareness is here and everything that was previously unconscious to me down to that level is now, now I'm able to embrace that. And with awareness, there's choice. Okay. Uh, without awareness, the, the demons of habit are running my life. Okay. But as I refine my awareness, I have more, op, more awareness and more choice. So we can refine awareness through, meditative, mindful training deeper and deeper and deeper. Or we can also bring the technology in and we could slap a sensor on the subtle signal generator like our brain waves or our um, skin temperature or our um, heart rate variability that's too subtle to be aware of. And we can boost that signal and bring it up into the level of conscious awareness. Um, and through bringing it up to conscious awareness, then we can combine the technology amplifying the signal with the refining of awareness to drop the threshold of awareness even quicker and deeper. So this is where I think you know, there's a profound synergy between the mind training and the use of technology and neurofeedback and biofeedback to just help verify our listening at deeper and deeper and subtler and subtler levels. And in terms of how this works uh, in terms of neuroplasticity and changing the brain, um, just conceive of this, you know, uh, we've all had uh, life experiences, right? And those life experiences then form our beliefs and our worldview and our identity. Those beliefs and identity then determine what we uh, value and what we care about. And what we value and care about, we uh, pay attention to. And when we pay attention to what we value and care about, then that activates certain neural circuits in the brain related to what we are paying attention to. We like music or we're really somatically in our bodies or or whatever it is, what we care about, we pay attention to, what we pay attention to activates the brain. And as those neural circuits in the brain are activated, it sculpts and changes and strengthens those neural circuits, like working mental muscles. And those neural circuits become stronger. And then those neural circuits set like the filters 
that determine how we experience the world. And those experiences then in turn shape our beliefs and our values and what we care about. So you can see that by training our minds, we can begin to retool and, re and question our beliefs, our attitudes, our worldviews, what we care about, what our priorities are, what we pay attention to. And that over time, you know, there's just this alchemical metamorphosis that can allow old <clears throat> dysfunctional ways of thinking and behaviors and things just to naturally exfoliate and to allow the goodness and the wholeness of our truer, higher potentials just to come forth and emerge more fully. Beautiful, brother. You shared a lot. You shared a lot there um, that I, uh, okay. How do I wrap this up? Well, I like that. I think that technology is interesting in the piece that um, when I'm working with people around it, sometimes they feel like they're not doing anything. So using technology as a, as a feedback, we're getting feedback that, oh, we actually, in fact, are doing something that is beneficial because a lot of the times people need to see it. So I 100% agree that technologies are going to help us um, be able to expand our awareness more and our consciousness more because it could be used for good and it can be used for distraction. And so it's going to be a choice that ultimately becomes ours. And I'm glad you touched on neuroplasticity as well, because um, one thing that I've heard of pretty recently um, a few times was that our DNA is self-replicating. Um, I can't confirm or deny this or like our bodies, like we're a self-replicating machine. We have, you know, 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day and most of them we repeat. And so if we can start to change our internal dialogue, change our thinking, bring awareness, then we'll change our language and what we speak. And this creates our reality, our mind, and then what we speak into form, we're going to begin to create reality. And you can think of this in a very simple way. Um, you know, I'd like to use like the body and mind, like everything. So we've got a very overweight person who has a terrible diet, who works a job that they hate and everything in life is terrible. And if they can just begin to write down, what is it that I want? You know, in a journal, they write it down. What, what would I prefer? How would I get healthier? And they start to think these thoughts and then they take an action. They begin to write it down. And then at first they might not be able to get a lot of clarity around it, but over time, each and every day they're filtering through because it's at the beginning of that neuroplasticity, you know, the bigger that memory or that habit is, the more brain you know neurons and everything you've got activated so it's going to take a little bit it's the hardest at the beginning and if you can just keep writing it down keep thinking keep expanding over time you're going to speak different words you're going to take different actions you're going to have different thoughts and your brain will literally have a different frequency you'll change it from you know radio signal 40.2 fm which gives you the overweight and the diabetes and the job that you hate and the terrible friends that backstab you and the reality that sucks. And then you've now switched it maybe 70 FM where your friends are pretty decent. Um, your body's feeling pretty good. You don't have to worry about diabetes. Your job is not amazing, but it's a big, huge upgrade from before. And then you're now on this road of defining your reality because you're coming to that, that awareness of, you know, what's going on in your brains, how you're speaking into reality and you become a creator and, you know, you go that next level and you wish this for all beings, you know, and that's where the compassion comes from because you got to save yourself first. You know, you can't heal somebody if you're broken. You can't, um, 
you can't, uh, you know, do, do those things, uh, give love if you don't have any for yourself, you can't give kindness if you, if you hate yourself. So it's, you know, kind of saving yourself first. So I think that, um, those are really, really profound thoughts. And, uh, it's not exactly in the vein, but I really wanted to ask this cause it's been coming up for me lately. Um, you know, when we're talking about reaching out to the, to the ancestors or guides or, or masters like Baba G in the autobiography of a Yogi, uh, our Yogananda will say that in that book, if you, if you speak Baba G's name in a loving manner, he'll come and, you know, not in the physical form, but he'll come and he'll give you some energetic love. And when I was with David Lomberg, he talks about having the, the spirit guides, right? And uh, or talking to God. And he's just like, talk to, I was like, well, how do I pray? Like, what's the best way to pray? He's like, talk as if they're standing right in front of you. And so it's kind of like, it shifted my thinking where I thought about that before as like being real beings. And I believe that on a dimensional scale, they can hear you and they're physical. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts on that because it shifted it for me a little bit where I'm like, oh, hey, you know, Yogananda or Baba G, I could really use some clarity around this piece of my life. Could you support me, please? And it just kind of changed the way that I interacted with that spiritual realm because in one sense, if you're not new, if you're looking at this and you're like, oh, that guy's crazy, he's like talking to himself from a spiritual sense, it's like, hey, this guy's having a good dialogue of prayer. And I would like to bring the power of prayer to a lot more people because religion for me was one that I kind of shut off some of those aspects because I didn't agree with, with some of the practices. So I kind of like, it took me a while to figure out what of those practices I wanted to adopt and, and, and create a view for myself that was very empowering, but using the principle. So uh, I'll leave it to you to, <laughs> to comment on that. Yeah. It's great. I, it's beautiful, Matt, just to see you light up about, wow, I'm, I'm messing around with this and it's really working for me. And can you say more about that? I think, you know, it's this kind of uh, applied research in our lives, this kind of curiosity, this kind of, you know, drive and excitement for learning that's really the fuel for this journey. And then that supercharged by realizing you're doing this not just for yourself, but in order to be able to pass it on to your Facebook friends or your children or generations to come or activate those potentials for all beings. As you're speaking, a few things come to mind. <clears throat> One of our teachers is uh, Zalman Shakhtar Shalomi, who's a uh, mystical uh, Hasidic rabbi. And Zalman used to say, we're praying all the time. If we're lonely, we're praying for companionship. If we're uh, hungry, we're praying for food. If we're hurting, we're praying for relief. You know, so to begin to um, be mindful throughout the day of what prayers are working us, what questions are alive, what yearnings are here, and to really, you know, bring those into our hearts in a more ennobling kind of way. And then in a sense to realize <coughs> that we're both particle and wave. That we're both localized with GPS coordinates and we're the field. And that, you know, for awakened beings who have dissolved what Einstein described as the optical delusion of consciousness that leads us to feel separate from all living beings. And he said the way to 
free ourselves from that optical delusion is by widening the circle of our compassion to embrace all living beings and the whole of nature and all of its beauty. So imagine I could count to three right now and snap my fingers and we're all fully enlightened and awakened beings. Okay, one, two, three. All right, you'd still be sitting there with your sparkly eyes and your cap on and your headphones and I'd be sitting here in Aloha land and our bodies would be occupying our space-time GPS coordinates. Uh, the radiance of our being are, would be rippling out as photons and as light and electrons through all the grids that we're a part of. Like there's the body of the sun and then there's the heliosphere of the sun. But the inner core of our, of our true hearts and minds would be like space. Okay, boundless, infinite space. And at that level, there would just be one of us here. Okay? And so within that dimension of our true being that is this boundless, divine, awake, lucid, loving presence, if we pop a prayer at some level of our being that ripples to the ends of space and across dimension, that will register in that boundless dimension of any awakened being and call their attention. In the same way that, you know, if your knee is hurting, that ripples out and you're aware of your knee. It's part of the wholeness. So I think if we can begin to conceive that at some dimension of our being, whoever we call to, you know, um, in a prayerful way, it could just be, oh, great mystery, or whatever other name or label we want to give to it. Or, you know, that as we, as we put out that vibe, that wish, that prayer, that yearning, that call for help, that, that, you know, just as the wave goes out, it immediately draws in, uh, like like a current of injury in the body, drawing in healing energies that that um, immediately available to us are the the spiritual and the energetic resources that we need. We have the attention of all the beings who are allies and can help us. And just to add one little piece of science trivia to this. You know, if if we can begin to conceive of ourselves, you know, like we, we're here on the big island, Hawaii, you know, this really strong astronomical community. It's great to go to these lectures that are just, you know, the most intense mathematics and science and how we're figuring out, you know, adaptive optics and all this stuff. And then... Oftentimes the scientists will pause and they'll just kind of go mystical on you and say, but keep in mind, you know, 96% of what seems to exist in the universe, we can't even measure. It's, it's in dimensions of being that we can't pull waveforms off of. We call it dark energy or dark matter, and we can only measure 4% of what exists. So imagine looking at my image right now or feeling yourself sitting in the chair and realizing that that 96% of you is, exists in a realm of boundless mystery. 
connected to the boundless mystery of all beings everywhere. That's an interesting perspective. And of that 4% we can measure, 3.96% of that is dust blowing between galaxies. And only 0.04% is like matter. Uh, you know, it's laptops and tables and noses and ears and headphones. So that means 99.96% of who or what we think we are is completely mysterious. So, you know, let us pray, you know, let us just honor the, the deep mystery. If we start to doubt it, just pick up our device and, and, and text a friend and just marvel at how does that work? And realize we really don't know, but we do it anyway because we trust it. We have faith in the technology, in the alchemy of it, in the capacity and the potential of that. And we, on, on the basis of faith, we step forward and we live our lives and we use our tools as best we can. But what there is to learn here is fathomless. And I think just one last little fractal spin to toss in here, you know. We can read about this stuff. We can watch lots of YouTubes and and media and inform ourselves and travel around and you know what have you but there's nothing none of that is really going to transform us in the way that deep continuous ongoing sincere heartful inner practice is going to do you know we've really got to pray and meditate ourselves deeper and deeper into this in order to retool our energy system, our nervous system to um, begin to open the portals of possibility in terms of how energy and information streams through this matrix of mind and body in a truly enlightening and, inform and inspiring kind of way, that there's no uh, substitute for deep, intense practice. I hardcore agree with that. That's, yeah. Yes. And when you're going through like and We all start where we are, you know, it's just our gratitude journal, three acts of kindness a day, um, setting our intention for the beginning of the day, reflecting at the end of the day, you know, just things like that. Um, and in that spirit, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I've been on this journey for 50 years in a conscious way now. I give thanks for that. I just turned... 65 and i started when i was 15 yeah i remember i was dancing with i don't know if you know uh gk up in vancouver you know I do. We, yeah 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 totally we were at, we were at an earth dance down at kitsilano uh one point and he said how old were you when you got activated and i said i was 15 and he went wow that's great you know <laughs> um but just to appreciate this is a journey and I have to say, yeah, after 50 years, it's as alive and juicy and passionate and humbling as it ever was. And one of the most inspiring things on this journey has just been seeing brothers and sisters like, like you, GK, Michelle, other friends get with the program and start to engage in just like watching the beautiful garden blossom, watching the compost gives 
give rise to these amazing flowers and these incredible people that have been transformed through this work. So in that spirit, I'd just like to put out if any of the your friends or listeners want to come hang out with us and get engaged, go to wisdomatwork.com, uh, check out events and uh, see what we're up to. Send us an email and get on our, uh, we send out a daily email. Um, we're leading a, a journey, a Dharma adventure tour to Bhutan in September. There's still a few places open for that. And that's an incredible journey to share. And we're also, we're also going to uh, Northern Thailand um, after Bhutan. We send out a daily inspiring email. People can go to wisdomatwork.com and just send us a note and get on that. Um, we've been doing some year-long training programs called learning Advent expeditions, which have been fantastic way to just bring together a bunch of interesting, curious people to share a learning expedition together over a course of, of a year. So if people are curious, you know, reach out and we'll reach back. And uh, yeah, uh, one of the joys is really being able to share this journey with people and, and share some of what we've received from our amazing teachers and to pass that on, especially the people who will pass it on to others and take it to heart. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing. Well, I know you guys are all over the place. <laughs> I was trying to peg you down and you're just working and doing retreats and doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I hope that I can attend one um, one day and it's been a privilege to follow your work and, um, you know, learn. It's really deep and it's really fascinating. And uh, again, like really practical. There's, there's definitely a level of wisdom after 50 years of pursuing it. Um, and so I want to thank you so much for coming on and finally getting to do this. Um, everything that you're doing in the world and uh, you and Michelle, just big, big hugs from Canada. And hopefully I'll catch you when you're in Seattle. But the one thing I wanted to ask you before you go and feel free to, if there's also anything you want to add or like leave the listeners with share that, but you've, you've studied with so many different people. Um, do you have some favorite books or some favorite teachers that if people want some good, uh, you know, mindfulness and mental nutrients. Like who do you, you know, feel is, is giving some good wisdom and has done the work and, and uh, is sharing some quality information? Because I think that, you know, with my age, the 20 to 30, there's lots of people on YouTube, the younger generation is becoming conscious and they're sharing things. And that's great. I like it. But I also see that there's a level of writ wisdom and a lot of cultures have elders. And there's a real big difference between somebody who's been doing for 50 years and somebody who is working at a job and they had an awakening and all of a sudden they did a meditation course, you know, it's just like, it's good, but like there's levels to this. And I see you as a black belt. That's what I say is like, you know, I'm, I'm in the game. I've been in here for a while. I might have like a, a purple or get into a brown belt, but like there's black belts out there, man. And that's what I want to learn from. So I'm just curious if you can share some. Yeah. Um, that's a brilliant question because honestly, you know, Back in the days when there wasn't so much, like when Banyan Bookstore just carried Be Here Now, and that was the only book in the whole <laughs> bookstore, you know? Uh, and now it's like, you know, there's a zillion different streams that are streaming, you know? And it takes an incredible discernment to sort through it, because honestly, we don't send referrals to a lot of people or places, you know? Um, so a couple of things. Uh, 
one, I'll email you or I'll, I'll message you uh, a, a link for a bunch of links for really good books and resources. And you could put that on the YouTube um, listing. Uh, so that, that's good. I'd say, you know, one really like great bundle of stuff is if people go to DalaiLama.com and you go into videos and then you go into conferences, um, there are, are whole collections of like five day conferences with the Dalai Lama and different scientists and different meditation teachers in dialogue around some of the best stuff going on around the globe for, you know, maybe decades past. So that, that's one really good link, DalaiLama.com videos, conferences. You know, His Holiness is really the, the real deal. He's an extraordinary man. Uh, Matthew Ricard, uh, scientist, Tibetan teacher, brilliant author, really strong practitioner. He's been one of the llamas in the lab for a lot of the, the neurohacking meditation, contemplative science research. Matthew's book, um, Altruism, is brilliant collection of insights that are really good. Um, our book, uh, Living in Balance, is a really good collection of different practices and perspectives and um, you know, a good blend of science and culture and insights on that. Um, there's a fantastic new book by uh, Dan Goleman and Richard Davidson called Altered Traits, which is a fantastic kind of overview of kind of the history of emerging contemplative science and the research and kind of the evolution of our generation of researchers and, and practitioners. And that's, that's a really good source. And if anybody just wants to go wisdomatwork.com and, uh, you know, just like send us a message and say, send me some links. What, what's some of your best stuff? Um, um, I'd be happy to do that. Also, you, you had uh, said something about connecting. We're going to be leading a five-day retreat up on Orcas Island over Labor Day weekend at uh, uh, Indralaya Center on Orcas Island. Uh, this summer, end of uh, August, into beginning of September. So lovely place, really great setting, wonderful. It's kind of our annual inexpensive retreat that a lot of people show up at. So you or any of your listeners or friends would be w welcome to come on down to Orcas and meet up with us there. So um, yeah, just reach out, connect, get on one of our email lists. Come to Bhutan with us. Just stay in touch and you'll know what kind of mischief we're up to. And it's also fine, especially for you, Matt, but anybody, if you're looking into a, a teacher or a resource and uh, you just want to do some reality testing on it, you could. it's fine to reach out and say, do you know anything about this teacher, this book, this retreat, this practice? And I'm happy to share my biases with you. Uh, or my experience you know some things I'd say really go for it other things I'd say maybe a little sketchy others I'd just say having a clue never heard of them but happy to be a resource like that awesome man I, I, I appreciate that and I and I just want to say one more time I appreciate you very much and I appreciate Michelle so make sure you give my give her a big hug for me uh, so great to see you thank you for 
continuing to walk the path and just accumulate epic wisdom through experience and share that with others is, you know, not much more I could ask for in a human being. So I love and I appreciate you deeply. Is there anything you wanted to leave the listeners with before we close out? Yeah, just in the same way that we began in this Bodhisattva spirit, the spirit of tikkun, of repairing the, the, that which is out of sync with our wholeness. As you said, you know, we've all accumulated so much inspiration or insight or patience from us being together in this way. The one last practice is this practice of dedication, which is a good thing to do at the end of an interview or the end of a day or any good endeavor, a good run, you know, it's just to gather all the vitality and the strength and the inspiration that's come from us being here together in this holy way, in this in this way that's dedicated for the highest good for all, to gather this goodness into our hearts and minds and to radiate it and offer it like a beacon of inspiration and blessings for all beings. Uh, to gather this goodness into like waves of light and to pour this light in the continuum of our beings that might light our way and inspire us forevermore to gather this goodness into our hearts and to extend it to all of our loved ones and friends and networks and all we care for, adding our light to their light with the wish that it might be received however it's most needed for the highest good at this time. And then just going supernova with this dedication to let this flow from our hearts into the hearts of all beings everywhere across space, across time, across dimensions, to add our light to theirs with the intention, may this be received in the way that is most enlightening or helpful for all beings at this time. If they need hope, may it give them hope. If they need comfort, may it give them comfort. If they need wisdom, may this open their hearts and minds to a deeper wisdom to gather this goodness that we've received and share it boundlessly for the benefit of all beings. So if we begin whatever we do with this sense of for the benefit of all, then we do the best we can in the process and at the end if we dedicate, then that's profound alchemy there, you know, to kind of have this sound sandwich of a strong foundation a good engagement with whatever we do and then at the end to dedicate. That's really a profound kind of wisdom and knowledge to bring into any endeavor of our lives, to bring that kind of matrix of meaning into it. It's quite extraordinary. My parting thought. Uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, it's nice for me because I've always done it at the beginning, but now I have uh, a closing thing that I can offer as well. So. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Happy to share. Try doing that the end of every day, you know, just whatever goodness is accrued or distilled through the endurance or the engagement with the day. And then at the end of the day, before you go to, to sleep, you know, just to let it be shared in a boundless way. And then in the morning, when you wake up, the first moment that you're awake, that you're awake and you've Give thanks for that, again, to align and attune to your highest intention for the benefit of all. Call in the allies, really anchor that noble intent first thing in the morning, ideally before you even get out of bed, 
and then go forth and then at the end of the day to dedicate. So the whole day is then held in the crucible of that kind of you know profound alchemy and wisdom. It's the, really an extraordinary way to live your life. And yeah, that's yes, amazing. I'm going to do that. Okay. Awesome. Well, I Thank love you, you brother. Thank, Thank you so much. Okay. See you guys. Thanks for okay. listening. Ripple, ripple, ripple in the best of ways for all. Uh, love you, brother. Peace. Take care. Peace and love. Yes. Thank There you have it, guys. Dr. Joel Levy. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. He is truly a pioneer, a veteran, a wisdom keeper in mindfulness, in 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 everything that this show is about. I, I loved having him on. I hope that when you guys found an aha moment, you just did a screen capture of that time code, wrote it down and maybe share it on Facebook, share it with your friends, um, share it with me on Facebook and tag it. So that way other people are going to get your aha moments. It's really powerful. It's really amazing for you to experience that, but to share it freely and openly with your community each day that you get it, that little bit of insight, you know, they might not say anything. I, I posted for years on my Facebook and, and no, none of my friends ever really said anything um but when i would come back and visit they would they would tell me that uh you know what i what i wrote inspired them and they i was like why didn't you ever like like it or make a comment but they kind of just would observe it but they wouldn't kind of go out so realize that when you share these aha moments you really do make a difference and you can tag matt belair podcast or matt belair insights i got to kind of figure that out um but really powerful thing you can do thank you for you guys supporting me on patreon i really appreciate that and um, my sponsor, Purium, I really appreciate them. Just check bit.ly forward slash activate health and use that same code to get 50 bucks on whatever you want. It's called activate health. Um, well, for the code and I appreciate them helping me um, be able to create these podcasts. And for those of you guys who feel called, you're ready to level up. You, you want to take another step in your spiritual progression in your life progression you want to you know you want to break through your block your blocks or whatever the case whatever you're going through if you feel like you need a coach or a guide i'm happy to do that i'm happy to support you with that and really help you to level up in a way that is really effective and balanced it's really a yin yang approach of high level peak performance personal development from my sports background and helping athletes do things that have never been done before but also on this mindfulness zen perspective so that way you can dance your way into your infinite life and that's really what it's about it's about doing it with that empowering perspective of just 100% peace and fulfillment now as you create the future that you want to design and uh, I'm really good at helping people do that because I've been trying to do it my whole life I've been doing it my whole life and I've been studying it and so there's lots of tools and processes and sometimes we just need uh, a helping hand to keep us uh, keep us going I always have a coach to keep me in line because otherwise I'll um maybe get lost skateboarding or something or who knows what I'll do um, but I got to know myself so if that seems like something you're interested in just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and uh, we can have a discovery call and figure out you know how I can help you achieve what you're looking for um, I guess as always check out Zen Athlete I always forget to plug my own book uh, it's an amazing book it's uh, self-mastery for sure if you know anyone in sport buy it for kids buy it for coaches um, you know check it out for yourself I'm happy to send out ebooks to anybody um, supporting anybody in sport because it really is about the kids and it's teaching them all of this self-mastery and consciousness with the disguise of sport and if you're an adult and you use those principles that's the best meat and potatoes i've ever seen for creating your own reality from that space of just 100 gratitude inner knowing and inner peace with 
effective, the most effective personal development, law of attraction, universal law type of stuff that I've ever seen. So it's all in there. So last but not least, check out the email list. Go sign up at mattbelair.com so we can stay in touch when things happen. And that is it. I'm going to stop rambling. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I have a deep love and appreciation for you spending time with me for uh, allowing me into your world. And I hope that it serves you and empowering you and your life. And I just want to remind you that you are whole, beautiful, harmonious, loving. You're a beautiful soul. You're not perfect because none of us are. We're flawed. So be easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Um, I love and I appreciate you. You are good enough. So just remember that. So now we'll just close it out with a very quick meditation as we always do and I just want you to send the intention to just be loving and kind to yourself deeply loving and kind and just incredibly supportive making that commitment to be loving and kind and supportive to yourself so first just taking a deep breath in through your nose connecting to powerful gold and platinum crystalline light seeing it come down from the universe pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being and energy from the earth coming up through your feet supporting you grounding you just encouraging you and just seeing this energy wash over as you let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day now take in one more deep breath in through your nose and really connect to this universal god force life force energy that pulses through you and just make this firm commitment to be your number one supporter to be loving kind and compassionate to yourself to forgive any old criticisms any any mistakes just to forgive yourself completely now just let that energy wash over you as you let this breath out slowly just imagining letting all of that inner criticism go all of that self-hate that self-criticism just watching it dissipate taking in another deep breath in through your nose imagining this powerful light coming in and doubling that feeling and commitment tripling that feeling and commitment to be loving and kind and supportive to yourself compassionate self-forgiveness your number one supporter and just see yourself over the days weeks and months ahead just see yourself being completely loving and kind to yourself just seeing what you can do and create in this world if you're your own best supporter knowing that your internal dialogue is crucial to your improvement and just making that accept acceptance now within your being because you're the only one who can do it nobody can do it for you and just allowing that commitment to wash over you now just imagining and sending your energy into your heart and just sending that energy of love and peace and kindness to all beings to your friends and your family and your co-workers to all life on the planet may they be peaceful and harmonious and full of self-love and i'm sending that energy to you hearing this all of my love going into your ears and into your cells and into your dna coding the love and commitment and self-worth and kindness and compassion for yourself i'm sending you that that all of that encouragement everything that i am all of my respect and and love and appreciation and energy for you to support your life to to recognize that you're a creator being that you're here to have love and joy and fun and to be kind to yourself and i'm just sending you that loving reminder so Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.